0: I must not fear,
1: fear is the mind killer, fear is the little death that brings total obliteration.
0: I will face my fear, I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain.
1: Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga
0: Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the 1984 film by David Lynch called Dune. About the book Dune. Hello. (laughs) Hello. No. (laughs) So, uh... Small introduction, this movie got passed around to a couple people, from what I understand. The rights were sold super cheap.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, uh, it was with a couple people. Yeah, uh, so here are the people. Let me, here's here's the people it was passed to before David Lynch got his hands on that, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are people that like the Lynch film, as you're going to hear on our listener feedback show. And uh, this show, we're just going to kind of be talking about our thoughts on it. But starting in 1971, the film kind of burned up millions of dollars as it passed uh, through the hands of Planet of the Apes producer Arthur P. Jacobs. And then Archilian Chilean director uh, Alejandro Jorowski got it. And then sci-fi maven Ridley Scott also had a shot at it before it landed in the director of David Lynch. So it kind of went through a series of directors that got it and... Well, we don't, I don't know much about the other two, but, uh, it sounded like Dorowski had ended up being, it ended up being like a 10 hour film and studios just really didn't want to tackle it with him. So, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but (laughs) but that's, that's kind of the premise of how this film ended up in Lynch's hands. Yeah. It, by the way, was the most, one of the most expensive films to make at its time. It cost them $42 million to make. Which in 1984 was pretty incredible, and so this is one of the reasons that, um, one of the reasons that it did not, that it did not, um, really do well. So, that, um, I I read it. Uh, I'm on a site called Film School Rejects, and they're just saying that the ends. Why was there no Dune sequel? Uh, its box office performance during the reduction, the budget ballooned to forty-two million, which might not seem like a lot today's but was unheard of thirty million years ago. To put it in perspective, in nineteen eighty-four dollars, only fifteen movies even made more than forty-two million domestically, and only five of those: Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, Gremlins, and The Karate Kid made more than the eighty-five million, or so needed just to break even at the box office. To put it in perspective a little bit more, Ghostbusters had a budget of 30 million. Indiana Jones, the Temple of the Doom, had a budget of just 28 million. So, Dune blew the budget out, you know, bigger than even these blockbusters were.
0: Yeah. Do we know how much it brought in?
1: Um, I can find out in uh, one second. So someone talk a little bit why and look on my favorite box office, of
0: Mojo. Sure. So while we're here in the, the beginning of, of the show, I just want to quick remind everyone of our reading schedule. Uh, I know that things are kind of off because of the, the movies. So just a reminder. So then what we'll be doing for next episode is we're going to be reading Paul of Dune by – uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J Anderson. Um and then after that the next month which will be August we will be watching the Dune mini series from Sci-Fi. After that then we will go back into the rotation with Dune Messiah, Children of Dune and then the mo- movie Children of Dune. Yeah. So just a reminder of how we'll be doing things in case you're you're wondering what's
1: next and what's coming. Um we didn't want to take too much time away from reading the books, so. No, absolutely, absolutely not. By the way, it had domestic, we don't have a farm, but domestic, it brought in $30 million. So it did not even hit its, <laughs> uh, it did not hit its production, uh, budget, so. Wow. Not, not good, not good for doing, and sequels. And not to mention that David Lynch kind of axed the chance of a sequel when he made it rain on Arrakis, but. <laughs> yeah. But one other thing we should mention before we get too far into the show is uh, we we do have uh, an app that's kind of associated with the Dune Socket podcast. Uh, now, this is new. Jim, you probably don't even know about this. David and I have kind of chatted about this over the past month. Um, oh no! Kidding. Yeah. So we have an app. It's in. It's in the Android stores. It's in the iTunes stores, and it's called the Zog Pod Collective. If you want to download it, and we call it that because it's actually a collection of a bunch of podcasts that I'm associated with: the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, the Dune Saga podcast, the Podcasting Gear Show, and Haitian Focus, which rarely ever comes out. Um, but but what you can do is you can download and you can hit. Every single past episode of the Dune Saga podcast, you can skip over the episodes of the other shows you don't want. Um, easy call in. You can just hit a button on your phone and it automatically calls in. If you want to leave a listener feedback, if you want to tweet that you're listening to the show and help promote the show, you want to email us, you know, jump onto our Facebook fan page. It's a great way to kind of interact with us here at the Dune Saga podcast. Yeah. It's, and it's free yeah. right now. Right now it's free. So it's
0: pretty cool. I mean, you can, if you haven't listened to, Some of Scott's other shows, you can get a chance to get exposed to them as well. Uh, Mm. Good stuff there, for sure.
1: Just another way to encounter the show. Anyways, back to David Lynch's Dune.
0: Back to David Lynch's Dune. So, I'm pretty sure most people listening are familiar with the overall story, but just real quick, you've got the prodigal son, uh, um, Paul Atreides, uh, who goes with his family to a new planet called Arrakis, New Desert Planet. Uh, He deals with a lot of things, including the assassination of his father, he's outcast to the desert, where him and his mother must learn to live with the Fremen, the people of the desert, where he becomes okay. a messiah character for them and leads them to take the planet
1: back. Yes. So it's that's the basic... Them from the chains of slavery.
0: That's right. That's okay. the
1: basic... Basic story of the movie and book. <laughs> a modern-day Moses parting the sea of the storms of Arrakis. <laughs> Leading the people to the promised <laughs> land, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a metaphorical sense, actually not too far off. No, not really. <laughs> so, uh,
0: but, uh, Jim, why don't you give us your overall impressions of this film? And I think... Uh, while, while we're doing this, I know that you saw it in in theaters, so I'd love to hear your impressions yeah. of of the first time you saw it, and also your impressions now.
1: And and if I'm correct, Jim, is it true that you first read Dune because you watched a movie? That is correct. Okay, I did. All right. So um, go ahead. In the
2: theater, this movie was just huge. It was it was big, big vistas. Uh, great characters, uh great actors. I really I enjoyed it the first time I saw it and I continue to enjoy it now. Um it was it was just in it was just a, a spectacle. Uh the only the only problems I had uh were some of the I don't know the the gross parts that involved uh Baron Harkonnen mostly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did, it, did you tell me once that they gave you like a, a dictionary-type handout when you saw the movie?
2: That no, correct? that wasn't me. Okay. I thought
0: oh, somebody, somebody told me that they handed out like a, a sheet explaining some of the lingo for the film when they saw it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that was one of uh-huh. the things that um, – this may be sidetracking the issue, but that was one of the things that people are saying, well, now wh- how could – Star Wars when it came out in 77 introduced a ton of new lingo. I mean, we had X-wings, we had droids, we had tie fighters, we had tons of uh, but Dune when 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 Frank Herbert when when Lynch introduces Frank Herbert's lingo, it doesn't quite work because the lingo is too foreign to us. You know, the other words we at least have some association with and sound like normal language. Right. But I can see someone walking into this movie being totally lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, to, I, my mother wanted to join us for the screening and uh, that we had, and and I said, well, I think the best thing to do is is to watch the sci-fi mini series. It, it explains it better in that. But even with that, I had to have a half-hour conversation where I sat down and and discussed the universe with her so that she could understand the politics and everything to to get the story. And she told me without that she would have been. <laughs> totally,
1: totally lost. Yeah. It. Uh, you saved her day, David. <laughs> I don't, David.
2: <laughs> I don't, the don't remember the exact figures, but I'll tell you what: this is one of the biggest bombs I ever ran at the theater. Mm. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It.
1: Uh, there were nights when there were three people in in the audience. Yeah, which is which is really sad because I mean, dude has has such a following to it, and um, I mean. It did, it got panned left and right it, by, by mm. critics. Critics just actually, uh, tore it apart. Um, let me see. I, I did read some reviews from the time, uh, and I don't have them right here right now, but it was just, it, it, it got panned left and right. Um, as far yes, as being, it did. Uh, it, critics did not like it and it was just bad. Uh, anyways, I can't find the review right now, but
0: <laughs> I think, okay. uh, just throwing in the, uh, Scott and I got the chance to see Yodorowsky's doing it and we saw it with a nice audience screening. Um, and in it, I think one of my favorite parts is where he starts talking about how he's nervous about seeing this film because it got taken from him and given to Lynch. And he's like, he's like, I thought, you know, I would be crying and it would really hurt me that I went in and saw this. And his face looks, he looks like he, he you can't quite read his expression. He looks excited. He's like, but as the moments go by, I just kept feeling this, this feeling, and I was just, my, this smile on my face,
1: because this movie was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> was, so, if that I, was a funny part of that documentary.
0: Yeah. Sure. If I, if I can find the clip and it's in English, I'll put it in, in, in yeah. the edit. But. Oh,
1: please do. Please do.
0: So, what were your impressions now, Jim, watching it again? I think you watched it last night, you said?
2: Yeah, I, I did. I, I'm, watched it a couple of times since uh, we finished our last show I I, I still enjoy it um, I can see a lot of uh, the book in the movie uh, not not near as much as probably there should be which most likely turned people off to it real hardcore dune fans would not it would probably not enjoy this movie seeing mm-hmm. it for the first
1: time. But uh, yeah, I still like it. I'm not sorry that I own it. Yeah, uh, you know, darker forty five in the chat room says this film has major faults, but still colors my Dune universe more so than that of the miniseries ever has. So I mean, that seems positive. There, yeah. you're interpreting that as being yeah. a positive thing. How about for you, David? How how did this rewatching this first impressions watching it again?
0: Okay, so watching it again, it has been a long time, and I remember not enjoying it much the last time I had seen it. And at that point, I was not a, a Dune fan. So it was just me watching TV and seeing it on TV. Um So we sat down, and at the beginning of the movie, I was like, well, maybe I was wrong, and I just didn't have my attention. The beginning was very solid. I mean, granted, there, I felt like they were putting too much information into this movie, but I was still like, okay, like it's, it's, this is working for me. Like, it's not really bad at this point. But then at some point it just kind of takes one step to the side of the path that it was going down and seems like slightly off. And then as the film goes, they just keep taking a little bit step further and a little bit step further until eventually you're just like, I don't what this is like what's happening anymore. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the sense that I got from it. Um Very eighties, <laughs> very, very eighties. I have to say special effects other than the ship's, were were good. Like, I mean, I watch it. And like, for the time, that probably was awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, it, the, the shields were a bit.
0: Well, likely. the shields, but yeah. the but like the practical effects, right? Were really cool. Um, the designs mm-hmm. were were interesting. Um, man, they made the
1: the Harkonnens disgusting mm-hmm. as anything. Yes. Uh, w- w- m- way worse than the books yeah like, uh-huh. like, like you really were disgusted I mean you you, you hated the Harkonnens in the book mm-hmm. but you these people were absolutely and <laughs> it, so freaky what were we talking about in the one I think after the movie we were talking about it's so disturbing to think that here is um, you know Baron Harkonnens the, the Baron just laughing maniacally around the shower as Fade Routh is showering in the steam showers just absolutely yeah. disturbing <laughs> yeah yeah, to that. But then he steps out, just stares at the camera. Yeah, all oh, forgiven. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, uh, most of the most of the Harkonnen stuff was
1: disgusting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to tell you what though, if Jodorowski would have put out his film, it'd have been even worse. Yes, because he had he when when they interrogate Lino, he uh they they just they dismember just him in the in his version. So it's absolutely oh wow. insane. Yeah, but. Yeah,
0: uh, uh, what was the major part of this movie now looking back Jim that, that you feel like it's kind of it kind of departs for you from what you know of the universe
2: well the story isn't there it's extremely abbreviated the movie's almost like an outline mm-hmm. of what the movie is supposed to be now I realize that a book that is complicated as complicated as Dune is you couldn't make the whole thing into a movie however I took time to watch the extra features on the DVD and you realize there was another hour and 45 minutes planned for this movie what wow Wow. yes and the scenes that were cut out the, the fight with Jamis was taken out uh, there were uh, there was a lot of stuff that was removed from the movie to bring the time down to 2 hours and 16 minutes as it is but yeah there was another hour and 45 minutes of footage shot that looked like the book wow it was supposed it was supposed to be a 4 hour movie
0: yeah you know i can see that cuz there's see there're whole plots that they build up for no reason such as um um <laughs> think like they build up yeah. the fact that they, they captured him and they give him those heart plugs, which is just like a crazy idea. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then they have him drinking drinking his uh, antidote from a cat with a rat on the and back And he of needs it. to milk the he cat. He has to milk the yeah. cat to get the <laughs> antidote. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. um,
2: I'll tell you what. Go to Walmart. Look in the $5 bin. That's where I picked up the Blu-ray for uh, Dune the the copy that i have and yeah. the uh, extra features are really interesting
1: and really good so so it's worth it just to get that dvd for the extra features yes okay all right yeah cool and uh yeah
0: cool uh anything else for you scott that you thought that stood out for uh your overall what was your overall impression we didn't hear yours
1: um well i uh, I watched this movie for the first time four months ago. Because you remember, you were like, oh, you, you ruined it. You know? <laughs> um, and then I watched it again on the big screen, which I was kind of excited about. You know, you, you don't often get to see these movies done in the big screen anymore. So the fact that we have this as a big screen watching was great. Uh, there were certainly things uh, in this movie that were um, dated uh, you had, you had the great 1980s soundtrack to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna play a clip of that in our listener feedback show. And, and there's some stuff in here that is dated. Um, there's some stuff that, um, I liked, but I think someone said well when we had our conversation after that they spent a lot of time on kind of the preamble, setting everything up, and then, uh, because, you know, Dunes divided into three books, they spent a lot of time in that first book, and then when you get to book two and three, it's kind of just glossed over, and they, it seems like, uh, Jim, he said they trimmed this movie down from a four-hour movie down to the two-and-a-half-hour movie that we got. There's there's a sense yeah. where it seems like the stuff that they trimmed was the stuff that was in book two and three, and I think as a result, book two and three, or that part of the movie that was covering that, just felt empty and... uh too many unanswered questions that if you went into this movie having never read Dune, you walked out thought, thinking, man, what drug trip was I on?
2: Well, more more of that uh, introduction, we get that in the book. More of that introduction, is, if I recall correctly, Irland's uh, monologue would have gone on for almost 20 minutes if they had made that movie as it was shot.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I mean, I like the intro with her. I thought the filming was cool, the way that they had her standing there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, I was
1: interested in the beginning. She, she, I, I like, I mean, we, don't, we, we that's the only r- real place we see her, right? Yeah. Do we see her at the end? Is she there with Shaddam at, at the she end? She is. Okay, so, but no real interaction there, no marriage mentioned to... The Duke, right, at that point. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of an accessory, and her role, like, why she's even speaking for for Paul, we don't really get that. Right. Um, there's, no, there's no connection to it. So her role is extremely underplayed. But the actor that plays and delivers those lines really does work.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, since we're
0: talking about characters – Should we talk
1: about... Yeah, let's go talk about characters, things that we like, things that we uh, didn't like here. Do you want to start us off, David? Sure. um, Pick a character. Well, I'm going to start off with the... (laughs) I'm going to start with the Navigators. Okay. (laughs) You mean the big walruses in the tanks?
0: Yeah, what a weird, what a weird, weird way, not at all what I imagined. Uh, the navigators to look like. I in my mind the navigators are kinda more like they are in the in the sci-fi series, but with bigger heads. Uh but it just I don't know, just such so the mouth is so they're just really disgusting to look at overall. Um I I I liked the way that the the guild members though were portrayed, how they had a, a translator they had to speak through uh almost mm-hmm. like their brain to you know how they say their brains develop past communication, and it had to speak into that box in order for the the emperor to understand what they were saying. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, the thing that they, they wrote in it, the, the tank, was cool, but was the navigator it. itself. And then when they showed it, like, navigating, well, what you know, was going on? It's like <laughs> barfing up
2: light. Into yeah, that, the, was, the that was a bit odd. I, I, thought, I thought they were blowing it out of their nose.
0: Yeah, the nose <laughs> or mouth or something on their face. Yeah, like, Opens up huh. and the, just like this light just
1: yeah. this whole idea is a prescience. It's just kind of uh, is this the the way they portrayed it was very psychedelic.
0: Yeah, the spice yeah. is very underplayed in this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean you see it, but but you know, you hear it mentioned, but the role it has in the you know in the in the um what do you call it in the emperor's realm is very. Is very minimized. You don't really know how important it is to the entire society. Society. So why is the emperor so interested in on in this world? Yeah. Um, that's extremely, that connection, the fact that people have grown dependent on it is totally underplayed. It's
0: all about, it's all about Leto's army
1: in this movie and less
0: about the spice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, I like when we are talking about Irlan at the beginning, the TV version of the movie had a much more voiceovers to explain the audience. This is from Darker45. What was going on, you know a movie is struggling when you need a voice to explain what the hell, <laughs> what the hell is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, uh, yeah, so that's my take on the Navigators. Somebody else want to take another character?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll take the next one. Um, <clears throat> so let me take Fade Dralta. So Sting as Fade Rautha, right? That did not bother me as much. I mean, he comes off a bit more creepy than when I read Fade Rautha in the book. I didn't, I didn't see him quite that way. Mm -hmm. Mm Uh, but his betrayal, his physique and the way he comes out and he is, um, what, what's creepy about him has more to do with his uncle that it has to do with Fade Routh himself, for me. Um, I think the Beast is a... I'm taking two here, but I think the Beast is extremely underplayed.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, I felt it captured... The right. essence of the yeah. character. You mean when he walks really by that when he guy.
1: walks by that cow and yanks a piece off the cow and starts chewing on it? Yeah. Well, he just looks like a meat, like oh. a, a, meat, a lazy meathead. <laughs> <laughs> no ahead. pun yeah, intended. And
2: crush, crushing the little bug in the in the little square tube for, to oh, get his yeah. drink and stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and then you know uh, the sewer running right through the right through the house. They just
1: throw stuff in the sewer.
0: Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah.
1: In fact, going, this is going back to, what is house Carino or whatever. What was the last book of the trilogy before the, as uh, house Carino? Yeah. So that part when the baron's standing over the sewers and they throw that one guy into the sewer and he drowns yeah. in it. Uh, that just kind of what you just said, Jim, just reminded me of that scene. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, how about you? Uh, a character that kind of, um uh, stuck out to you that you liked, didn't like, that you felt was too different from the book.
2: Oh, my favorite character hands down, and I think is it's it's as much because of the actor as it is the character is is Duke Leto himself. Just I mean, it was spot on in this movie. Uh I can't even pronounce the the man's name properly. Is it Jurgen Proknov? Is that how Something it's like pronounced? That, yeah. You're doing a much better job than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, that's because I took four years of German one in high school. But, <laughs> I, um, I thought that, I thought that that was an absolute brilliant, um, portrayal. And I, I'll tell you what, I would love to, would love to have seen more of him in that movie. Uh, you could see the compassion that he had. He imparted that but he wasn't going to take any guff off of anybody. Uh, when he died in that film, I was very sad. I wanted more.
1: Yeah. That entire, um, especially uh, if you go from watching this to the miniseries, there's a lot more time. They take a lot more time to develop him in the miniseries than they do in this movie. You get a lot more of the Duke. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to the miniseries. Just a little comparison there.
0: I did like the Duke, though. I, I kind of like yeah, Jessica too. I'm looking forward to
1: that. Yeah. You like Jessica too?
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought that she, I mean, I don't think she matches the book, but just like the character in the movie itself. I felt that she played. What do you
1: think of the bald Ben and I think it's weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> they aren't really, they aren't bald <laughs> in the books. No. Yeah. So that's no. A, That's a Lynch
2: touch. Yeah. Were they completely bald or did they have a headdress?
1: On, I can't. I want to. S- I want to say they were completely bald. I, I want I, just a thought on that. It does create them as being kind of sinister. Yes, to have them there without any hair. Yeah, but except for Jessica. Yeah. But we, we of course know that she's not a true Ben and mm-hmm. But but she is bald later on.
0: I did like the way they did the glow globes. Yes.
1: It, see, I didn't. In this, you didn't. I didn't like the glow globes. They weren't what I imagined. Like when I imagined glow globes, I didn't imagine like things with angel wings on them, kind of decorative, Probably. ornate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the things in the uh, <laughs> in the in the miniseries match the description better, but this was
1: still cool to see. Yeah, it it was definitely cool to see the. Uh, it was definitely see, cool to see the glow globes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the um, what the the Hunter Seekers was that the thing that came into um, Paul's room? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was cool to see that. Yeah, um, I don't know how different they are in the miniseries, but that but they seem like I would imagine them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, okay. with, with the effects the way they were. Uh, yeah, that was a neat scene.
0: How about the change in the weirding way?
1: Oh, are we getting off the of characters now? Well, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> no, you mean you mean the fact that they use machines to do it?
0: Yeah, and it was just like a vocal thing, right? Instead of a fighting style.
1: Um, I don't know, Jim. What do you think?
2: I, uh, you know, um, I was I watched the movie first. I read the book, and I wondered where these weirding modules were when I read the book. Uh, I, to this day, I wonder where they came from and why, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess it was, I guess it was for the battle scenes most, more than anything else, because, uh, you know, as you know from reading the book, the battle scenes are much abbreviated in the book, but they play it out uh, they flesh it out more in the movie. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I guess they had to have some kind of weapon. When, I guess that's the other thing that I'm thinking, that if the weirding way was a fighting style, right? Yeah. Um, we're coming off of Star Wars with blasters and and, and, and lasers and other things. Uh it could be that they put that in there saying, Well, we aren't gonna be able to have something that looks kind of martial artish. We want something that has some cool effects that they can actually be shooting at things mm-hmm. and trying to make it work. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't yeah. know. It was a it was a prop. It was it was a prop
2: that wasn't in the book that apparently got made up
1: to use for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think of Paul? Thoughts on Paul?
0: They definitely play him young. Right. That's what I got. I mean, he he feels
1: young in this movie. I me. think he feels, even though he's young in the books, I think he feels older in the books.
0: Yes. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He, he seemed younger than I expected. Uh, Jim?
2: Um, I have heard from numerous people that uh, Kyle McLaughlin was the only weak spot in that movie. Huh. And I don't see that. I thought he did I thought he did a good job.
0: Yeah, I thought he was um, I,
2: I don't know. I can't think of another actor that I would want to see in the role. Um as far as playing him young is concerned, I think he was young, but he was older. He looked more uh, more 20ish in the movie. But wasn't he like 15, 17?
0: I don't know. He was. I think he was in the book. He was seventeen. At yeah. The I don't know
1: how old the actor was. I don't know how old it. the actor
0: was. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah was, now I'm not sure either. But I know. I know that Kyle McLaughlin, McLaughlin was older than seventeen years old when he did that part.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. At yeah. times, I thought he was a little bit stiff. But then again, he is becoming the Duke. Yeah, right. And the and and the leader of the Fremen, as well as the Li San El Gaib, um, mm. but you yeah, know,
1: I I didn't have a problem with him at all. Yeah, yeah. I I, I liked his sister. I thought the sister did. uh Paul's sister did a great job. She's creepy. She is, and that's why oh, she did a great yeah. job. Yeah. She's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite characters, even though it's such a small role. One of my favorite characters. Yeah, and I seen in front of me out on two. Two
2: occasions when she had that gomjabar on her finger and she was waving it in the air, after she used it, and then that weird scene with her dancing, holding the Chris knife. Oh yeah, I, could, yeah. I, I wondered what that
1: was about, <laughs> dude. That that scene in front of the emperor is absolutely great. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I really, I really did like her part. So.
0: You know what I want? I want a poster of Gurney Halleck holding the pug yelling, Charge. Or he was yelling. I just thought that was so great. He this, he's being all like, you know, a BA and he's just got this pug in his hand and <laughs> commanding the armies. And That's I, right. I thought that was hilarious.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, it's Patrick Stewart. You I was going to say, not argue with Patrick Stewart.
1: I was going to say, Picard can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're darn right. Yeah.
2: And you know something? Emperor Shaddam, Jose Ferrer. Yeah. What an actor. What an awesome actor. And even though he didn't play a
1: huge part in the movie, he had a real presence. Mm-hmm. He did. And you know the the scenes we do see him and he carries that role beautifully, it's very much in line with the with Frank Herbert's Dune books. It's not in line as you jump into the Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert books. The way I picture uh, the Emperor there is just not the way I view it in the in Frank Herbert's books. But that's a difference in writing style, and we get that again as we head back into Paul of Dune. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. But so any other any other actors or characters that we're missing before we move on and talk about some other things?
0: I think we'd be doing a foul if we didn't talk about the Baron.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, come on. Ick,
0: Ick. <laughs> yeah. He's so gross. Icky. <laughs> he, he just seems to yell all of his lines. Yeah. That's what bothered me about him, uh, acting-wise. But I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it's directoral directorial yeah. issue there. But the fat suit and everything was so gross.
1: It was. So. The suspenser field was kind of... That, that was kind of cool, actually. A yeah. Bit. I oh, it was that. cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah that yeah (laughs) his painted toenails
0: when the the doctor's like working on his cheek and he's like i love you my baron
2: or (laughs) work on you his
0: (laughs) life or whatever he says Uh, your
2: disease is love to me yeah taken care of for all time it's like yuck oh what kind
1: of doctor is this uh (laughs) i did like brad dorf as um what um the mentat his Mentat, which Piter. is Piter Debris, right? Mm-hmm. I, I loved Pizer, his, yeah. right. He, he does a good job. I, I've liked him in most of his stuff, even as, what, Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. He just does a great job as these creepy characters. It's kind of the same character, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's, he, just, he just reprised his role.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's always a psycho, no matter where he is. Oh, I love that psycho.
0: Minus
1: those eyebrows. Yeah, oh, my word. Minus the eyebrows. <laughs> Oh
0: my gosh. Such style. I know. You, you
1: know it. You know it.
0: Well let's let's take a move on here and, and talk about what why do we think the film turned out this way? Uh this style of film, like why did it why did it turn out so different from the book? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um let me channel David Lynch. <laughs> uh, and,
0: and,
2: and, uh, well, f- first of all, they cut an hour and 3 quarters out of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Right. Right. Yeah. So that that would be one thing. Uh, I right. Another I I think the music, I think Toto's score was was a big factor in that. Um when I read about the emperor and those, it makes me think of classical music. And we definitely had a score that was rock. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think not, not that the score wasn't outstanding. It was incredible. It fit the movie well, but I, I think, I think that may have been, and whether people realize it or not, a big turnoff for Dune fans.
0: Hmm. Uh, Darker forty five just said in the chat that he doesn't think it's a three hour story.
1: Um
0: I I don't think that Lynch's version could have been watchable at three hours.
1: You know, you know, when you think of Jodorowsky aiming for ten hours, it seems a little bit more authentic with the depth and richness of Frank Herbert's world, but he's gonna sit through a ten hour movie. But as he as he said, um um it, it Darker says it should have been maybe a, a movie in three parts. Yeah. You, you, what we really need is Peter Jackson to get hold of this movie <laughs> and, and, and add supplementary material and really flesh it out. Yeah. He'd be bringing I would agree. The- <laughs>
2: Go ahead. I would agree with that. Only if they made the movies the way they did the Back to the Future movies. Made all the movies at the same time and released them within a reasonable amount of time, say six months. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I, I mean, because we've seen Jodorowsky's doing, I feel like like almost like a little inside into right. this background. There's a lot of this that feels like his stuff. And I, I wonder if that book that he made, um, spelling it out, gave to the production.
1: Jodorowsky's book? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Gave to the production stuff. I wonder if they took that to Lynch and said... Uh. You know, here was kind of an idea that we had, that somebody had, like, do your version of it, or maybe incorporate these things uh, into it, especially the godlike power that Paul gets at the end of the film, with calling down the rain and kind of the supreme being status that he has. Uh, in he's doing he, the idea was that he would get killed and become this omnipotent being and and his voice would come from everyone and he would talk at the emperor out of everyone around him and saying how, you know, I am Paul Atreides. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm reading an article have it in front of me and this is an article just for reference um, from uh film school rejects. And it's the title of his David Lynch subverted a franchise to ensure a sequel to Dune was impossible. So David, David Lynch was known for subversive films, even prior to you know, prior to handling Dune. And uh, and uh he just writes, I want to read just two sections of it because I think it plays into our conversation sure. here. He says, L- Lynch was a bold choice for the film considering he was handed a massive potential franchise when he was known for more intimate and often obscure and surreal personal films. Ultimately, Lynch made a film that ensured a sequel was impossible and that was a brilliant, though almost career-ending move. And he goes on later on, he goes, Love it or hate it, Dune is David Lynch's masterpiece because it didn't just mess with the audience. It messed with the entire studio system and their newfound love for sequels in the 80s. Part of me believes that Lynch torpedoed any hope of a sequel on purpose just to mess with the system. Mm. So that's just another uh, thought on it that you you won't make a sequel out of this. We have rain on Arrakis. Yeah. (laughs) But Hmm. So (laughs) that's just an interesting thought.
2: Well see now, as I think back as I think back and reading the books, I thought they
1: had combined uh a little bit two books. Why well, they they do that in the, with, uh, with the s- in the sequel to the sci fi miniseries, right? In Children of doing that's a combination of two books. Yeah. But we don't get that in the uh I don't think that David Lynch's book was meant to uh, book his movie was meant to be a uh Conglomeration of all the books. Yeah,
2: I think it's, it seems fairly well Dune. Yeah. Did, did it not rain on Arrakis in uh, Dune Messiah?
0: No. No. There's not, didn't? There's not uh-uh, rain on Arrakis until um, God Emperor.
1: No, 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 no. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you ruined it
0: i know thanks well, a lot david guess we should just stop here <laughs> i'm walking out i'm done with this
2: podcast
1: <laughs> no. no all right all right well i mean they're definitely leading that direction in the books but we don't see it
0: right right so. well, i think that's mostly because they constantly are spilling out that this is like a multi-generational yeah type thing um
2: I really love that scene though when it started raining and the reaction of the Fremen.
1: They played yeah. that well. They did. Mm-hmm. They did. Uh I, I, and, I love when the and, bar- I love when the Baron gets eaten by the sandworm. I know it's not in the book, but I <laughs>
2: <laughs> and just a funny aside note, the other night I was uh Chrissy and I were out riding our bikes and we stopped at a park and I was watching someone wash their car. And I thought, I wonder what a Fremen would think of this, the way we waste
1: water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very true. Very true.
0: It's funny what these books and this podcast does to your brain, because there are so many times where I think, You you gotta think about your water. Like, don't waste, don't waste your, your breath or your, you're not, you know, don't go outside without your stillsuit kind of thought. You know, are, are, like, you saw someone washing the car and you're like, what would a Fremen think of that wasted water? Uh, just those, those types of things that come to my mind for just random things. And like, man, why am I thinking like that? Like, (laughs) it's a book. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just a book, David. (laughs)
1: But,
2: and I read somewhere that, Frank Herbert's intention was to address conservation as one of the reasons for writing the book.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and I, I've read that too. And it makes sense then this whole uh, use of water and respecting the natural world around you, like the Fremen do, they respect, they respect the desert, respect the sandworms. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's essential. And you see that in the, in the, Glorious misuse. The villains, you know, totally, in well, in the books especially, really handle water badly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you do see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, well, uh, you know, so as we look at the book and we look at the uh, the movie, and uh, do you think that the film at least hits the intent of Frank Herbert? If it's if it's not as good as the book, which it kind of is a sense I'm getting here, even though that it has its place, uh, does it capture the heart of Frank Herbert? (sighs) (laughs) Uh... I've done it. I've stumped David. Jim, how about you? (laughs) I
2: I would say that it does – to a point
0: yeah that's what um, I was kind of thinking
2: yeah and it it's it's hard kind of hard to put your finger on it uh it it is it is paul's story how paul rose to power and became what he eventually did become but there is so much missing there don't don't you think david is that what's got you kind of kind of stumped a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean this is kinda this is kind of how going back to what I said before, I think at the beginning it really kinda hits the same like the same stuff. And it's on point. And I think that's because they don't leave anything out in the first book. It's it's all there. It's almost too much there. And for that it like it really it hits what the tones of the book were for me. Like some of the themes there. But then it just, little by little, it just becomes more and more off sync until it's so
1: far gone, it's not even the same thing anymore, uh, theme-wise. Well, do you see, like, the, I mean, one of the things that Frank Herbert's obviously addressing in the book is this whole idea of religion-empowered. Uh, do you see that theme kind of playing out in the movie? I mean...
0: Well, you see religion
1: I mean, like the blind they, face of the Fremen just following Paul seems a little bit, yeah, yeah, seems a little bit that way.
0: But you don't get, you know, I don't think you get the same aspect of how it's a tool, and how Jessica and Paul both acknowledge that it's a tool that they're using, right? You know what I mean? It, you don't, you don't see how it's a, it's a bad thing. Yeah, I just, I don't think that you see that negative side to the power of religion. Like you do like you get in the book about them yeah. seeing how it's uh, you know, they're they're using it as a tool and they know they're using it as a tool. Right. So
1: Yeah. Um and then I guess the ecology, which we did kind of talk about, they do hint at that here and the idea of water, but we don't get a huge it's not a there's I wouldn't say this is a huge ecological film.
0: No. No, I don't no. think ecology I don't think drug use is not is definitely not a not an issue in yeah. it. Um, yeah. Even though some of the political stuff isn't like the financial struggle, the political yeah. kind of stuff is not really a theme in here. It's basic. It's when you break it down, it's this guy has an army that could defeat my army, so
1: my my army's bigger than your army. Yeah. So Take I, that, Emperor Saddam.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna stop him before he has a chance
1: to use his mm. better army on our yeah. army. We got sandworms. Yeah. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you think oh, of the?
2: Speaking of sandworms, yeah. I, I, go ahead. I, I should. I want to throw this in as a, as an aside. Uh, our the theater trade magazine gave Dune an award. Oh. Dune won an award for imitation of a sandworm by a tennis shoe, for Dune. Imitation of a sandworm by a tennis shoe. Yeah, it was a joke page, oh. for, <laughs> from like, from Box Office Magazine. Oh nice. Uh, I I just flashed on that, remembered that. So, we well, know. On, the, I'm sorry.
1: I was I was, I was I was gonna say the sandworms. You know, they were okay.
0: Yeah, they were fine.
1: They were fine, except for the
0: electricity. I didn't quite get. No,
1: you know what. <laughs> Instead of putting a uh, fire in their malls, which is what they should have had. You know, I mean, they have these internal combustion engines, kind of firing them—not literal engines, but these, these fires within them that should be fueling them. We don't get that, so we get electricity coming out of the sky, kind of revolving around them, which I guess plays into the sandstorms a little bit. Yeah, um, well, it, it makes it makes sense if you're gonna
2: have something moving across. Uh, sand like that it is going to create static electricity that is true yeah yeah yeah
1: if they're made of felt i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i see it i mean no. it's, it's big so it's gonna you know it's not like a sand or a, oh, like a, a snake going across the right sand. right it's it's big
1: I, I was disappointed at the end when they like come into the city that you don't see these sandworms gulping up hordes of people but i guess this is 1984 and it's mm-hmm. not uh, a different sentiment you got to see me Baron the Yes, I know, and that was just as I did take satisfying.
0: a look at, at some of the toys for this. Did you by any chance see? I did this not. Stuff? Um, you know, it's it's eighties eighties toys. Yeah. Uh, the they made like the some of the uh, spice collector's vehicles, and so the guys, you know, they were pretty decent. I want a worm. They made worms. Yeah,
1: I want a sand worm. Uh, I, I, I just would. go to a foreign country for that, buddy. No <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> if you want worms, no you, know, yeah. you can do that uh, here too. You don't need to go to a foreign. Don't need
0: country. to go to a foreign. T- but no, the, the toy's pretty cool. It's just you know, it it, it it's articulated. It it's mm-hmm. just it would look it would look cool on my Dune shelf. Is all I'm saying.
1: Right. So if you were to uh, be stranded on a desert island, Jim, and can only have Dune the book or Dune the David Lynch film, which would you choose?
2: Oh, the book. Hands down. (laughs)
1: uh, How about for you, David? Book. Definitely. And I'm with you. The book was just much richer of an experience. And I feel like I could go back and reread that book and capture stuff I missed the first time going through it. And I don't feel like I would do that with David Lynch. Right. So.
0: I know a lot of people love this film. And I, I, you know, I just want to say that even though I, I don't have a positive view of it, I Definitely respect your view of it, and I understand. And
1: that. when there's some, and there are some yeah. positive aspects, I think we pulled out of it. I mean, the casting. A darker forty-five said the casting of it was uh, pretty spot yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't say that I love the movie, but I
2: appreciate it for opening the door to me, right, uh, yeah. to the universe mm-hmm. of Dune, and uh, I do like the movie.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, darker is leaving the chat room. So, thank you for joining us here in the chat room and in the conversations here. As yeah. it, by the way, uh, before we get into our closing thoughts on this, we did record after watching the movie live about a twenty to thirty minute conversation about the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be airing that. What is a separate episode?
0: Yeah. So, this is going to be a Dune Saga podcast filled month. For yeah, you it will be. Uh, so, we did two screenings. We did one for David Lynch's Dune. We did one for Yodorowsky's Dune. Uh, And we recorded uh, conversations after each one with uh, those who decided to stay in the audience with us. Um, A big thank you to Penn Cinema for showing David Lynch's Dune, having a screening just for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was great to see, you know. Our local fans there as well, some people who hadn't heard of us just came because they liked David Lynch's movie.
1: Right. And uh, by, the, by the way, uh, Jim, there were more people in that theater than in the, the theater that you were showing it. There were like, there were at least, we had at least 20, 25 people. Yeah,
2: there. 20, 25 people. That's probably more than that was there all week. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and they were excited about it. Yeah, so I talked yeah, to some of them ahead of yeah. time. Uh,
0: and then uh, we, also, you know, for, we also recorded after Yudarowsky's doing, there was probably about,
1: Thirty people there. There were more people yeah. there, actually. There was
0: more people at that one, but you know that's that's a,
1: a currently playing thing, I right? Mean, right. Documentary appeals. So. I and mean, we do got to thank Zetropolis for airing that in our area. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Big thanks, and for letting us come out and set up. And, yeah, and it actually, after they stay, show.
1: and staying late. Yeah. To to kind of let us do that. Right. So, so really cool.
0: Big thanks. So what we're going to do is is we're going to keep our normal schedule of this airing, and then in two weeks you have the after this airs you'll have the listener feedback, but. In between, we'll have uh, so
1: many episodes. Some,
0: yeah, we'll have we we'll have the episode for for Dune one of the weeks, and then the week after the the listener feedback, you will also get uh, the Udarskis.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, in our closing thoughts on Dune, let's talk about this. How would you? I don't know. How would you rate this movie if you had to rate it, David? Let's start with you. How
0: Are we rating it as a film or as a Dune
1: fan or or what? Okay, well, why don't we do it as both? Okay.
0: Um, as a film in general, I would give it probably like a two point five out of out of out of five. Okay. Uh, my reasoning for that is I just I'm bored okay. <laughs> watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like you, you know, even the times before I was in Dune and I watched it, I just was, I watched it and I said, I, should, I, I, what I would think to myself is I should like this. Like I'm waiting for me to like this. Right. And it just never happened. You know, right. like this is all the elements, but it's just missing something. Um, as a Dune fan, I'm going to rate it as if there was nothing else. And I'm going to say a three of five because okay. if there was no other Dune movie and you had the opportunity to watch this movie seeing the characters on screen there's nothing quite like it yeah yeah, right yeah. so uh I'm going to give it a three out of five for, for that
1: yeah
2: Jim how about you okay well let's see as a movie I would say for me it was a 3.5 and as a Dune part of the Dune universe I'd give it a two yeah
1: Okay. Wow. Where do do I fit it? It's, uh, two as a movie. I, you know, it's, there are parts that I like, but there's, there's parts that just doesn't hold up for me. If you look at, uh, you know, a movie like Dune needs to hold it so you need to be able to, um, you need to be able to appeal to a mass audience and give enough background and it falls woefully short in giving enough, a context for the average audience watcher to to grasp it, and I think that's one of its it's what probably probably its biggest failing for me. I can't give this more than a two out of five as a dune fan and seeing dune come to live on the screen um i'm going to give it a three only because only because uh we do get to see the world that we have read come to life on the screen, and there are some parts that seem. I don't know, the palaces, the, the the sandworms, uh you know, the the Fremen and seeing that are are pretty pretty good. We didn't talk about Stilgar, but I you know I like Stilgar as the character, yeah. although the tension between him and Paul is way underplayed. There's no tension at all. Yeah. Um but I you know I, I do I do like it. It's just it's, it can't be higher than that for me. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, I believe that's about it. Do we have, yeah. any, do we have anything else we want? To, anything else we need to say about this, Jim?
2: Uh, well, I was just thinking um, uh, that you mentioned the sets. I thought they were a lot more ornate than I imagined them in the book.
1: Hmm. Yeah, which I think you, I think you, you, you do hit on something there. I mean, they're on Arrakis, right? This is a pretty desolate and pretty harsh world. Are you going to be seeing mm-hmm. these? Ornate and elaborate palaces. Well, maybe. I mean, the barons there and they're... I mean, we did have. Um, did we have Fenric developing this huge arboretum for his wife and and doing some of that stuff? So yeah. some of that stuff is there. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it was ornate, but it, it it didn't feel for me. It didn't feel out of place from what I from what I know. But
2: yeah, and the Duke's castle on Caladan seemed awful dark. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would, I would, I would, I would have that. expected the lights to be brighter and and the mood to be better on Caladan.
1: Do you think the storm that's raging around Leto is is meant by Lynch to be symbolic of the the political uh, storm that's raging around him as he goes to Arrakis? Oh, I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, yeah. It could
2: be. Yeah,
1: I mean, wouldn't doubt it. And and we didn't mention this, but like the book, there you know from the get go that they're they're working to assassinate leno they, They're they're upfront about that. The same same as the other book. Yeah. The same as in the book. So yeah, yeah. But what? Well, go ahead.
0: Well, uh, normally around this time we would talk about what we're looking forward to in the next book, uh, and the next book we're going to be reading is Paul of Dune. But I think. Rather than talk about that now, let's talk about what we're looking forward to see in the miniseries,
1: since we're talking about films. Mm-hmm.
0: What kind of things? Uh, you, you've you seen it, right, Scott?
1: I have. I've seen it. I, I, I watched both of those before I watched Lynch's.
2: Okay. So. And have you seen it, Jim? I I have, but I barely remember it. Okay.
0: What? Let's just say this. What are you looking forward to seeing done differently than what you saw in Dune's, Dune's Lynch? Just one thing that you would like to see.
1: Do I just have to pick one?
0: Just, just pick.
1: Okay. I, I gotta give three. Okay. Can I have three? Yeah. Are you sure?
0: I will allow it. You will allow three. (laughs) Well,
1: thank you. Um, I am looking forward to see the actor that plays Paul. I love the actor that plays Paul in the miniseries. He's just great. I loved, I love, um, Duke Leto. I love John Hurt. John Hurt does a great job as, in my opinion, does a great job as Duke Leto in that. So those two things. And I like the navigators. Way much better in, in yeah. this book, so yeah. in, in that in that miniseries. So those three things I'm looking at, seeing and embracing. Mm-hmm.
0: How about you, Jim?
2: Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that the story is a little more complete and fleshes things out a little better. But I think mostly what I'm looking forward to is. My son has it on D V D and he's gonna bring it over and he and we're gonna watch it together. I'm very much looking forward to that. That'll be that'll be awesome. <laughs>
0: there you go. That's That'd great. Be, yeah. Uh for me I'm looking at, forward to seeing the spice uh talked about more and addressed yeah. more. Um I like the sandworms better. Yeah. Um also later I I just love the guy who plays yeah. so,
1: John Hurt. The, uh, that's that one scene when they uh, rescue the people from the spice uh, miner in that movie is just absolutely done way better than it has done in, in yeah. David Lynch's film. I just love it. It's great. So I am, I'm totally – I can't wait till we get to this movie in, I guess, August. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So uh, just a reminder, if you want to give us comments on Paul of Dune or if you're anxious since we're talking about film to talk about the miniseries – there are several ways that you can get in touch with us uh, and we will respond to you in our listener feedback shows coming up. Uh, and you can do so by emailing us at DunSocca Podcast at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our Facebook page, Facebook page Facebook.com slash DunSocca Podcast, Twitter at DuneSocca Podcast, as well as leave a comment on the website. Uh, if you want, you can also call our you can also call our voicemail, and that's the voicemail number
1: Scott is one two six zero five seven seven chat or one two six zero five seven seven twenty four twenty eight. And by the way, you can find all this stuff. You can do all that stuff by downloading the app from the App Store, whether it's the, the Android, the Google, or the Amazon, or the iTunes uh, App Store, and that's Zogpod, Z-O-G-P-O-D Collective, and uh, all those uh, links. Now, I think that the link to the website will probably and Facebook will take you to the Zogpod Collective Facebook page, which isn't really active right now, but every, all the other links will take you to places that you can find us. Mm-hmm. So, so it's very good with that.
0: Great.
2: Jim, why don't you take us out? All right. Once again, for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm Jim Arrowood. And
0: I'm David Moulton. And I'm Scott Herzog. And may Shai Halud clear the path before you.